You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. Welcome in. This is Orange and Backcheck, episode four. We are already four weeks in. Scott is here as always. Scott, what's going on, my man? Hey, man. Listen, the Flyers have picked up a possible six out of eight points. One of the games they came back in, a great comeback. Things are going great, man. I don't know why everybody's freaking out. Well, there's a lot of issues, I think. I think there's one particular issue that everyone's freaking out about, and it's the goalie again. It's kind of like... the sky is blue for the Flyers fans. There's the sky is blue, and car and there are just goalie issues for the Philadelphia Flyers. They just go hand in hand. We'll get into that a little bit in a little bit, but I want to stick on the positive. They came into last night against the Islanders on a three-game win streak. One of those, one of the best wins they'll probably have all season at the end of the year. When they came back against Columbus, four unanswered goals, and they won seven four. If you caught the if you caught the preview before the game, the Flyers had lost a five straight against Columbus and eighteen dating back to twenty fourteen. That's a lot of games against one team they dropped, and the fact that they were down by two in that game and battled back, and they didn't play poorly the whole game. It's just a couple of goals. Brian Elliott probably won it back. I would say out of the four he gave up, three he wanted back. But at the same token. They battled back. They grinded it out. They put, I believe, 46 shots on net. Corpus Allo made 39 saves. But still, to come back being two down against a team like Columbus, who's grinding games out this year, John Tortorella's got that team playing very well, although the fact that they've lost a couple of players like Artemi Panarin, Matt Duchesne, and especially Sergei Bobrovsky, I got to tip my cap to the Fly Guys. They really, really showed me a lot with that win. That's a lot. That's a character win. That's one that you're right. They will carry that to the end of the season. And an important two points that they're yep. going to look at around April as well. Yeah, I think Taryn Hatcher had a great little quote from Shane Gossespierre in last night's game against New York. They always do that quote of the game on the, the broadcast where, they, where he basically said that game against the, the Columbus – we lose that last year or in just past years in general to see how they really came back and put up four, five unanswered goals to win that game seven, four. I don't think you can really do anything but tip your hat. This is a, a that was a classic game where the flyers would have lost any other year under this regime, any other time in their franchise, I think. Without a doubt. I mean, they had have always had a tendency over the past couple of years to battle back in the games, but later in the season, you didn't see it too much earlier this time of year, and especially a team against Columbus who they've had problems with. You've seen them actually dominate games this past week. This, this is the team that you're going to be expecting going forward. 
We're not talking about scoring like six goals against Vegas, four against Columbus. I'm sorry, four against Chicago and mm-hmm. seven against Columbus. You're not going to see that every single night. But the point is they're they're getting in on the forecheck. They are creating their own chances. They're being creative offensively. They're putting themselves in the right spots, all due to good coaching. And it's really a show, it's really a sign now that shows that Vigneault has been the main difference on this team. Their personnel really hasn't changed all that much from last year, besides adding Kevin Hayes. They have essentially the same team, but with different results. And you're absolutely right. This time last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, you have not seen a character win like that. The fact that they went out and ripped Vegas, a new one, by four goals, 6-2 to two is awesome. They completely shut down Chicago 4-1. to one. And even though they almost handed Chicago the game with some of the chances they had, and then they come back and put, put seven on Columbus. The last time they scored five goals in one period was actually in 2013 against Columbus when they were down five, 4-1 after, uh, after two, and then he scored five in the third. So that, you're absolutely, he's absolutely right. That is a great quote. Now, maybe he can follow his own advice and hit the net more. He's got, he's got three yes. points this week. He's got a goal and two assists this week, so he's on the right track now. But, I mean, it's still absolutely great point by Ghost. Yeah, and and to stick on the positive because I because I think a lot of people are like I said earlier they're going to focus on the negative and we're getting into the negative in a moment here but like to already have a season sweep as well against the Chicago Blackhawks who albeit are not the late two thousands early two thousand tens when they won the Stanley Cup against obviously the Philadelphia Flyers but this isn't the same team but to be able to say you swept Chicago not only in Chicago. But you also lost a home game where you normally have a home and home on these Western Conference teams, and you beat them in Prague as well. To get that sweep already with the offensive production that, as you mentioned, under Vigneault's system, that's the positive we're seeing already from the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think that's what's been struggling. The defense is is what it is, I think. And we'll get into that. I don't know how much better the defense can really get, but I think the offense is showing it can go to this next level I think we're at a point where Flyers fans are starting to expect where this level can go, and it can go that much higher into the 2010 range when they were under Laviolette and they made that Stanley Cup run. So the offense is where you're going to see the most drastic improvement, I feel. I agree, and I think, actually, believe it or not, if you look at it, their worst game, I would say this week, offensively, wasn't against the Islanders. It was against Chicago, in, in, mm-hmm. in my view. And, he, and here's why. Chicago's a little bit flawed defensively. Chicago had two big money players as a healthy scratch the other night. What almost killed the Flyers, if you go back and watch that game, the Flyers had a lot of poor defensive turnovers. They got caught on the rush. If it weren't Chicago being able to make the, uh, make the good passes offensively, they probably would have lost that game. Although they beat Chicago... Chicago is a little flawed because they couldn't get their offense going. They had a lot of open chances on Elliott. They had a lot of good scoring chances on Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott played a pretty solid game, but they missed a couple one-timers in front. They didn't catch up to the rush when they had offensive chances, like meaning that the puck was open in a certain area and they could not get to the could not make good shots. They couldn't make good passes, and it wasn't anything the defenses were doing. It just was the ineptitude of their offense, which is surprising because they have a pretty solid offense. They have they can roll a couple. They can roll four lines there, but not taking away anything away from the Flyers. Offensively, they played well. I feel like they could have played better against Columbus. Look, 
they started out, they were they went up and then they went down and then they tied it up and then they went down and then they came back and just took control. Short they had a power play goal, they had a shorthanded goal. They played overall a great game. Sunday night against the Islanders is a different story. I don't think offensively was the biggest issue. It's the fact that it's because although I apologize, we didn't get a preview up in time. The Islanders had gone into that game winning six straight. They finished out, they started the season one and three, and they've won six straight. Last night was their seven straight win. They're rolling right now. They, were, they Last year, Barry Trotz came in and revamped that defense. They went from the worst defensive team in the league to the most offensive team in the league. When your defense is really good, it makes it look like the other team is playing poorly. I don't want to say the Flyers played poorly. I think they might have been outworked a little bit by a team that's on a roll right now and coming off a back-to-back, especially when you're coming back from a a deficit to win a game the night before. It takes a lot out of you. I don't think the Flyers had enough juice in the tank last night to take on a team as skilled as the Islanders at that point. So overall this week, really their worst game was against Chicago. I don't think they played that poorly against the Islanders. It was a mixture of bad goaltending and just – coming off a back-to-back against a really hot team? Uh, I agree in some sense. I think – no, I'll just say I think they played very – not very poorly. I think they played poorly last night in New York because for the simple fact of it just didn't seem – for a team that was on a three-game hot streak, three-game win streak, I should say, yes, you're on a back-to-back, and the Islanders were on a six-game win streak, but – just because you're on a six-game win streak doesn't mean you should be outplaying the way it felt like the Islanders did. I didn't feel like the Flyers were at all in that game compared to Chicago, where I felt they were always in that game because they were up. Despite the chances they gave up, Elliott turned it away and credit on him for being able to do what he did. And we'll get into his stats in a moment when we compare him to Carter Hart and his struggles. But I just felt that the Flyers were, for lack of a better word, just lazy around the puck at the end of the day for last night, and that's what really caused them to lose the game, at key moments especially. I disagree, because if you look at the stats, the Islanders had 33 shots, the Flyers had 31, yeah. okay? Yeah. The Islanders took more penalties. They had more penalty minutes. They had the same amount of, what's it called, uh, basically takeaways. The Flyers had six takeaways. The Islanders had eight. The only big difference between the game, and the Flyers won the faceoff battle, so nothing from their numbers say they played poorly. I think they were a little at work. Well, they didn't convert on the power play. Both teams, I mean, to their to the pe- the penalty kills of the Flyers, they killed off all the penalties. I think they only were on the power play, or excuse me, they I think they were on the pe- only on the penalty kill once. But they also didn't convert on their power play. They went 0 for 3 last night. Hey, they're the best defensive team in the hockey for the reason. That's the Islanders. Yeah. The best defensive team for a reason. If you have good defense naturally, your penalty kill is also going to be really good. The Flyers are actually up there in penalty kill too. Their special teams have improved a bunch, but. Like I said, I don't think they were fully up to the task last night of taking on a hot team like that, coming off an emotional win like that, especially because the biggest stat differential wasn't anything as far as you would think as far as shots, scoring chances, nothing like that. Giveaways were about the same. It was the hits. The Flyers are out here 34-14. to 14. That shows to me that they just didn't have the gas in the tank to be able to grind it out against a team that's just working them out and outworking them. It doesn't mean the Flyers played poorly it's a fact that they were just a little more outworked last night by a fresher team. And I, I don't think that given the fact that they were went down early by a couple soft goals and tried to battle back in that game, it just got out of hand. It happens. It's one of those games. And it turns into because of Carter Hart having the issues that he's having is why it, it's why they were lost that game last night. If you 
Carter Hart didn't have a poor game last night. I guarantee you the Flyers, that score would have been a lot closer. The Flyers would have a better shot of winning that game. Maybe a 3-2 totally loss agree. or something along those lines. Maybe they could have scored on one other thing, a couple more of their chances. But I don't think they ever really had a shot because they caught down a little too early and then they were just outworked the rest of the game. Yeah, and let's just get into it because I think this is going to be the centric uh, – The let's just get into it. I think this is going to be the vocal point of tonight's episode. Carter Hart is struggling mightily. You said this in our preview podcast. Don't be surprised if Carter Hart takes a step back. I went on the other side and I said, I think this guy's going to have a lot of expectations grinding him. And I even put the Vesna trophy in his expectations for this season. He's struggling mightily. And he's he's in his last three starts, he's been pulled in two of them. And even in that third one against Dallas, in that middle one against Dallas where he wasn't pulled, he looks, he, it's, it's a mightily, a lot more questions than answers right now for Carter Hart. And it's kind of troubling. It. It is, and and here's why. So let's go back and, and let's look at the let's look at the numbers. He has in his last couple of games been shelled. Carter Hart's been yanked in two of his last three starts. He got yanked against Edmonton after giving up four goals. He made it through Dallas, but also gave up throughout three goals minus the empty netter. So it was four. That doesn't count against a goalie stat as the empty netter. And then he gets shelled for five against the Islanders. So he's allowed 12 goals on his last 43 shots. And he hasn't played really in the last two weeks. His save percentage in those last three games is 72.1. Okay, that's terrible. That's terrible. That means 28% of the shots that are going past, are going getting past Carter Hart. You take four shots, guess what? One's going in. That's pretty much what it means. However... However, let's take a step back here and realize one thing that I I have to give I have to give the fans a little bit of credit here. I, mm-hmm. I really do. Normally I think they're too um overreactive, but I, I've seen the reaction as a lot of people are saying, hey, he's a twenty one year old kid. Let's give him a shot. So the message we've been sending Bill is working because that's exactly what you need to do. You gotta give the guy a shot. You can't run around ta- run him out of town like you did Sergey Bobrovsky. However, this is the problem that people I don't think realize. When you're a goaltender and you're getting shelled in the last three games, you get out on the ice, here's what happens. You start getting happy feet. You don't get set. You're not in position. You're not making the saves you normally make. You're overthinking the play. Comes back to one word. And any goaltender will tell you goaltending comes down to one word. What do you think that word is, Bill? I would go mental. Close confidence yeah okay yeah yeah confidence any goalie will tell you that if you're completely confident you feel like that you're not going to get beat carter hart came into this league with a lot of confidence played very well last year got yanked in a couple starts okay you expect that from a 20 it happens yeah but right now because of how bad he's been shelled over the past few games i guarantee you his confidence is shattered don't give me that sports psychology crap okay it's natural for any goaltender, anyone who's 21 years old, if you go into a job at 21 years old and you start failing and you start messing things up left and right, your confidence is going to be shot too. It's the same thing with Carter Hart. His confidence is trashed. So what you got to do, because Vigneault is leaning on Bryant Elliott right now, he's gotten the majority of the starts the last two weeks, might not be a bad idea to send Carter Hart to the AHL for a little conditioning let him get some shots, let him get a couple wins on his belt, then bring him back up, just a couple games. But I don't think that 
Carter Hart at the NHL level right now is something that this team can afford to go through. And if they're going to have to ride Brian Elliott and they don't have to go out and get another goaltender just for this gap right here, which I think the Flyers respect the fact that it's something small and he'll work through it, but he's got to get his confidence back and he's not going to do that in practice. He's got to get game action, send him down for a few games, let him get his confidence back up, then bring him back up. I don't necessarily disagree with the thought. Um, I said in pre-show that I actually almost had the exact same thought i basically did however as i look at the schedule and because we're so early on we're 10 games in they're five four and one on the season they're i mean as weird as it says they're still in the playoff hunt they're 10 games in it's Mm -hmm. not like this is game 62 and they're 15 points out and all is lost right my thought is also because we're so early on in the season there's not much breaks in terms of like they always have the Christmas break, the Thanksgiving break sometimes. Like there's always that that gap there where the Flyers have a week off. Every NHL team has it. Because of that, my tendency is just have him sit on the bench because the games will come to him. I can almost we can almost look at the schedule right now and we have another they have another back-to-back this coming weekend. It is a 99% chance he's going to play in one of those games. Is Brian Elliott going to start in Pittsburgh tomorrow night on Tuesday night? Yes. Probably. I I don't think it's probably. I think it's a 100% chance because of, like, this dude, as you alluded to, this dude is shelled. He's absolutely shattered right now in his confidence, and I don't think throwing him to the wolves of your biggest rival, no matter how good they are, how bad they are on the season, and they're pretty good this year again, like, I don't think it's fair to him to throw him to the Wolves. I think it's in Pittsburgh, too. It is in Pittsburgh. To throw him to the Wolves at such a young age against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You have on Friday night the Devils and Saturday night the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think you give him on Friday night, you see where he is. After you play Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, you have two nights off. Let him reset. That's that's the longest you're going to get at this point in the season, these two-night breaks. You're not getting these holiday breaks yet. Because we're so early on in the season. As much as I want to say that you should send him down because that would mean a guaranteed start, basically. No one is contending for his spot in the, in Lehigh. But you got to give him this adversity because I think this is what he needs to go through in these growing pains. We talked about how tough it is for a goaltender to live in the NHL for a sustained period of time at such, such a young age. I think Carter Hart needs this. I think you – especially with how Vigneault operates – let Ryan Elliott start tomorrow and then give Hart on Friday night the start and then see where we are. If he struggles again, then we're going to have a different conversation at the time of our next episode. I don't know, but the, here's the question. Do you really want to throw away points? Because right but now... But are you? Because I, I, at the same time, yes, I think I think that leash is going to get shorter and shorter. I think it's you, already short. He hasn't played in two weeks, Bill. Yeah, I'm talking sure. about when he's in game. Like he lasted until the second period. I, I if I'm Vigneault, I would have not even started him in the second period. Let's say he, he gives up the amount of goals he did in the first period against the Devils, like he did in the Islanders. He's not starting in that second period. Vigneault's going to shorten that leash. That's what I'm saying. Not because in terms of starts, but in terms of minutes when he does start. But here's the thing. He's been yanked in two of the last of the three starts. Okay, let's put something in perspective here, okay? I think he sold like 10 or 12 shots against uh, Edmonton, and then he got yanked out of that, okay? They were already yeah, pretty much 14. out of the – Yeah, they were down three or they're down four or four nothing or four one at that point. So that was a lost cause. Okay, and then last night, 
You don't yank them after the first because they're down by a goal. So they're still in that game. A couple of bad bounces really got past them. But still, you're in that game. You don't yank them at that point. You yank them when the game's out of reach at 5-1. to one. That's when it's where 5-2. to two. That's when you yank them. So... Well, you also, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm misseeing this, but like in times, but I think I've seen goalies pulled even around that time when it is one, two goal games, not five, two, because you're trying to create a spark. You're not pulling the goalie sometimes because the he's playing bad. You're pulling the goalie because the entire team's playing bad. Now, granted, these three, these two pulls by Carter Hart is because he's been playing bad. It's not the team. It's Carter Hart. But Overall, you've seen instances where they, the goalie has been pulled because you're trying to create a spark for the team. And I would say maybe le- it's got to be less than 50% of the time it works out, but it's still something. But it's we're not arguing that. I can see if it's one point where, okay, mm-hmm. he actually has not played that well. And, okay, we're, we're panic- okay, so our team isn't playing well. We need to yank him because we need to get the team going. But when you're giving up four and five goals in a period, period and a half, that's not on the team. That's on your goaltender. So if your goaltender's getting shelled for that much that early, more or less it's not at your goaltending, okay? If your team is flat and it's defensive miscues, okay, you can see that. But this has been on Carter Hart. His confidence is not there. I don't know what happened in that Edmonton game, but whatever it was, it just the puck didn't hit him and he lost all of his confidence. You saw it against the goals he gave up in against Dallas. He he saw like 15 shots the entire game, and he gave up three goals. Can't have that. I don't care if they're good scoring chances. But he saw one shot in the third. Here's also and, why and, I would and say. He, and he didn't stop it. So, but the point is, is that he right now you've got to you cannot keep a 21 year old goaltender on your bench because he's not getting any better by doing that. You can't. Keep, I, you you got. You can't keep him on the bench. You got to send him down to the Myers, get his confidence back, get him some minutes, and then bring him back up. See what happens. Yeah, but I go the. I I I even kind of think like would sending him down even shatter his confidence even more. I get what the, we go back to. He's twenty one uh, argument, but at the same time, when you've already played the amount of game. I mean, he he's played like forty two. He's played less than fifty games in his NHL career, but still. He's already. I think it's leaking into his head that he is the he is the franchise goaltender, and I still dub him that despite what has happened these last three games. But like, I don't think at the end of the day, sending him down to the AHL at this point in the season does anything. Yes, it may get it. It, it gets him between the pipes because I don't think there's any doubt that Vigneault is going to ride that hot hand for the for the re- remainder of this month. Unless it's a back-to-back. Naturally, it's the... the or, but he's going to start in the Devils. And here's why. His first career shutout is against the Devils of this year. We're, we're only two weeks removed from his first career shutout. I, for whatever reason, between his shutout against New Jersey, Vancouver, he played okay. He got the, he got the shootout uh, loss. But then in Edmonton, everything went to hell. Four days after Vancouver, something went to hell. Maybe we don't know something. Maybe, and I don't want to, I'm just using this as a hypothetical, I should say. Maybe someone in his family passed away. Maybe someone is battle. like, maybe he's getting calls or texts from his family with, like, financial, I don't know why. Like, I'm just thinking of stuff outside the game of hockey that could be causing a 21-year-old to have these mentality problems. Do you, are, 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 do you hear yourself right now? 
Did you hear yes. the excuses that you're making for the kid right now? I, it's not what did excuses, you just say? But like, but like, it's it's an everyday thing that everyone dealt with. I went to a funeral today, and it's like that kind of messes with your head, okay. no matter if you know the person or not. The only I went to the the person I went to the funeral with, I went for just moral support for my best friend and his fiance. I didn't personally know the person, but it still messed with my head. Imagine if it's someone that it's actually obviously you don't have to imagine, but like. If it's someone that's deeply close to you, it still messes with your head. Maybe that's what he's going through. That's all I'm saying. First of all, my condolences. I'm sorry that your your friend has to go through that. It does suck. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But if something like that was going on, they'd give him administrative leave. He'd be out of it. He, uh, would, he, he wouldn't be playing right now. So that's what I'm saying. Like, th- let's not take it to that level, please. Okay. Let's yeah. take it to the fact he's a 21 year old goaltender, and having him sit on your bench is not the best thing for his development. So throwing him in the HL for a couple of games. I'm not saying, oh, we're gonna send him down and bring up JF LeBay, and then that's gonna be it. No, set him down for a conditioning stint, okay? Let him yeah. get two, maybe three games down there. Let him feel the puck. Let him get hit in a game situation. Let him win a couple games. Get that confidence back and come on up. I mean, let's not take this overboard here about talking about funerals and financial problems. He's a 21-year-old yeah, kid in the NHL. But don't you think saying send him down to the AHL after three starts is just as uh, dramatic? Look at Joel Farabee. Joel Farabee did it and came back up, and he's been tearing the league up since then. He's Joel been Farabee playing fantastic. Joel Farabee didn't have any NHL experience until this year. Carter Hart did. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. He's 21 years old, and he's a goaltender. He's doing no good sitting on your bench. At least Farabee's skating every single night. It's nonsense. Come on. The other thing is, besides what Carter Hart's struggles are, are Brian Elliott's successes. The dude is on fire this season. He's already he's a sub-2-5. He's at nine two. He's a uh, over nine two save percentage. He's on fire right now. And his game started. He's three and one. He hasn't let up any goals. He's winning the games when he gets in. I think this is what Brian Elliott is. And as much as I like him, at some point he's also going. I mean, I, you can just call Carter Hart up, but I'm just going to say you're not going to send him down. And when inevitably Brian Elliott gets hurt, Carter Hart has to be ready to go. Well, I mean, you're right. It, it, what Brian Elliott is is what he is. He's going to keep them in games. He's going to have games where he's going to look absolutely atrocious like he did against Columbus. Against teams that play more East Coast, East West Coast, I'm sorry, against teams that may play more East West, he's not the best lateral skater. So we actually got a comment on our Facebook page this week from Joe Vita asking about why he plays that butterfly style. And two of the goals he had were basically because of his positioning. And you're absolutely right, Joe. It's correct. Joe, by the way, also owns a great bar in Maniunk called Scanlon's off of Maniunk Avenue. If you ever get a chance while you're up there, go check it out. It's fantastic. Joe, thanks for listening. But the point is he's absolutely right because Brian Elliott sometimes, especially it gets those teams and weird angles, he's not the best skater moving laterally, so his positioning gets off. The The point is is that he now – Brian Elliott's a different goalie from when he started – He's he's he plays more of a solid butterfly nowadays, and he battles the puck. He, he doesn't play like a pure butterfly, but he battles. He he's if you can see another goalie who plays like him in the league, watch John Gibson in Anaheim. You'd see actually a lot of similarities. Gibson is bigger and has more talent, but they play more solid styles where they kind of battle the puck. They fight off the puck. They're not ones that are completely skilled, and they don't have the complete skill set like a Carey Price or a Tuukka Rask or a Henrik Lundqvist. Right. They, 
they battle the puck off. They fight it off. That's when their games. But when you get these guys skating a little too much and moving them too much, they don't play that well. So with Brian Elliott, this is what you need your backup goaltender to do. So Brian Elliott's doing a good job. Do I expect Brian Elliott to continue with a sub-2-5 goals against average and a save percentage hovering around 920? No, I don't. His career average is probably around nine, around like 915. But the thing is, is that now he's 34 years old. A couple years ago, he did have a 920 save percentage in St. Louis. He's not going to replicate that. And if he does, I'll be completely surprised, especially with his injury history. So mm-hmm. at this point, he's doing what he needs to do. But also, Carter Hart's got to figure this out. I have no doubt that he will, but the Flyers need to do something to help him with that, and they got to get his confidence back because you can't, you can get by, and the Flyers can have success with a tandem of Hart and Elliott. But if they go with Elliott and someone else, I'm not going to see that success because they're not going to be able to a get anybody, and b their option in the minors in case Elliott gets hurt is Carter Hart because the backup would then be. Wouldn't be Alex Lyon. It'd probably be J.F. LaBay, who they brought in from free agency to fill that void if he got hurt. So they they they've got to figure this out. He's got to figure it out. Elliot has got to continue continue battling the puck and keep playing the way he's playing for now. But you're not going to sustain that over a fifty over eighty two game season. You're not going to give Brian Elliott fifty starts. You, you can't. He's not going to hold up on it. He's not the player that he was three years ago. But. Carter Hart is expected to get those reins, but he's got to figure this out before you can start saying, hey, go get him, kid. Because if you go in there and throw him out there, he's going to start struggling, kind of like Carey Price did. Carey Price went through the same thing in 2010. Let's not forget, during the Flyers' run, he was benched at that time for Yaroslav Halak. What's Yaroslav Halak doing right now? He's backing up Tuka Rask in Boston. He's a great backup, by the way. Don't get me wrong. But Mm -hmm. But Price eventually developed in the best goaltender in the league. His skating is phenomenal. His positioning is phenomenal. And he's a fantastic goaltender. But he did go through this as well. But he didn't get to that point without it. But he's got to get it figured out. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this to get his confidence up is to start him on Friday night against the Devils. It's literally the one of the worst teams in the league this year right now who is surprising because we had them. We both had them in the playoffs this year in our preseason podcast. But the Devils are mightily struggling right now. They are one of the worst teams. And Carter Hart got his first shutout against this team. If he struggles on Friday night, then we can seriously have a discussion about possibly sending him to the AHL. No, I don't think what you're saying about sending Carter Hart to back to the AHL is that asinine. But I don't think it's the right time to start really considering that until late in this week. Then we can have that discussion. Get him ice time on Friday night against the Devils. See how he does, because I think the best way to get him back in his, into his rhythm is to put him against the team that he played the most successful against this season, and that's the Devils. And thankfully, they have them on Friday night. Well, I think that's what this comes down to. Well, let's take a look at the Devils. They're 2-5-2 they're two, and two now. They've won two out of their last three. So they're mm-hmm. starting to turn the corner a little bit. Jack Hughes is getting a little more comfortable on the ice, so they're, he's going to have to go against that. But you're saying start him against Jersey. Well, who do they play on Saturday night, Bill? They play Toronto. The okay. Yeah. Do you really want Brian Elliott going up against Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, yes. and that squad? Do you want Brian Elliott against that team? Are you kidding me? Don't tell me. But he's going hot. He's he is the hottest goalie on the Flyers right now compared to Carter Hart. How can you like? I get, but we both talked about how we anticipate him to level off. I have no reason to expect him to level off this week. I expect him to level off in middle of November, not later in three days from now, four days from now. Well, then you have very high expectations for Brian Elliott. (laughs) 
You really That's do. not very high expectations. That's just being looking at the stats and seeing that he's playing well and expecting him to carry it tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. And then again, after a, a what is that? A four day rest, five day rest on into Saturday against Toronto. I don't see how this is that crazy of a concept. It's not about a crazy concept. Let's look at Carter Hart stats. He started the season two Oh and one with a 1.5 goals against average. And then all of a sudden he went and played against a really fast team that he, <laughs> he fell apart in. So you want to talk about looking at the numbers. Let's look at Carter's numbers. Carter would be the same exact situation if you go with Brian Elliott against Pittsburgh and Toronto, two of the fastest teams in the league, and always give Brian Elliott trouble. So this is what I'm saying. There, there, there's, a, there's a little bit of concern here, Bill. There's a little bit of concern here. So Right. So that goes even more to your – like what are you going to do? Put Leon in net in, in against – like if you're calling – if you're sending down Carter Hart to the AHL, we're going to bring up Leon or whoever it may be and say, hey, you got to go against one of these teams? No. You got to stick with what your two best are. And your two best are right now Brian Elliott and Carter Hart. Okay. If you want me to do a flip side argument to that, here's the point, okay? Throw in Elliott against Pittsburgh. Okay, and I think we right. pre- I think we pretty much know the fact yeah, that he's going to start. He's going to start against Pittsburgh. Yes. Then you start him on Friday. If you really okay, if you want to go with the angle of you're not going to send Carter Hart back down to the AHL, don't play him against a team that's starting to get going, like Jersey. Get him against a team that's already been proven enough. That way, it builds his confidence back up. If Carter Hart goes out and plays against Toronto and has a really good game against Toronto. And playing against guys like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, two of probably the best players in the entire league, and you can beat that team. Okay, that's that's the other alternative method. That's that's the alternative method than sending them to the minors. That that would be it. Interesting take. I think I I I don't hate it. I think it's a little crazy, but I don't mind it. I go on the angle of give him to the devil he knows, and uh, no pun intended. The devil he knows is the New Jersey Devils for this coming se- for this current season is the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to have to see about that. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but at the same time, I think they're better off if they throw them to the Wolves against Toronto because it's a faster team and it could be a better chance against them. You don't want Elliot playing against Toronto. He's never hasn't played well in Toronto against the past couple seasons. He gives up a lot of goals against them. You're better off with Hart against him. At least you get that little bit of skating ability, athleticism. Mm-hmm. Give him a chance to build up his confidence again. Well, it's going to be very interesting to say the least. Yep. It's been a we're ten games in. It's already a little bit. I don't want to say contentious, but a little worrisome to say the least for the Philadelphia Flyers and the Orange and Backcheck Podcast. Like good, uh, good argument, healthy argument here on the Orange and Backcheck Podcast. For Scott Weinhardt, I'm Bill Kornfeld. Please rate the podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You get the episode first every Tuesday morning when we drop the new episodes. Tuesday mornings, you guaranteed to get the Orange and Backcheck Podcast first on Apple Podcasts. If you subscribe and of course rate us five stars, it goes a long way for the podcast in terms of our ranking in the, in the hockey world, five stars and give us a review. Maybe we'll start reading reviews. If we start to like, and you give us some good ones for again, for Scott Weinhardt, I'm Bill Kornfeld. See you next week.